Hey y'all, and welcome back to another episode of Bayou Chronicles. We're your hosts. I'm Bethany. And I'm Crystal. And boy, do we have a special episode for you today. I don't think either me or Crystal realized how big this episode was going to be in the beginning. Um, but today's episode is going to be part one of who knows how many. We didn't even know how we wanted to do this in the beginning. Um, but the most important part is that we tell the whole entire story and today we're going to tell you about Rebecca Gary, a beautiful young woman who has been missing for nearly 30 years. Um, Actually, I did my math on she's been gone over 30 years. So basically, literally before we were even born. Yes. Either of this, which is insane. Um, and this missing persons case is filled with mysteries, possible red herrings, potential political scandal, a heavy emphasis on that and it's going to be a wild ride and i'm glad we get to share this um and that you know certain people reached out to us and this story just really needs to be heard um but before we dive into the story we want to thank you all for hanging out with us um on twitch it was so much fun um it's honestly one of our favorite times yeah i think daisy agrees with us uh, my dog <laughs> I know. Maybe she should do like a special appearance maybe on the that podcast would help her. one day. Um, if you didn't, if you missed the Twitch stream, you missed a lot. We talked a lot. We got into like deep discussions, not necessarily heated. I felt like it was very good discussions. Um, you missed me yelling at a boy. Oh um, yeah, that was great on the internet. That was prime um, time. Yeah. So. You know, women power. Yeah. Um, but you guys have been showing out not only on Twitch. Actually, hold on. They didn't miss it because it was included on last week's episode. That's right. I forgot. Yeah. We uploaded it. That's yeah. right. So they could hear it. They could hear you yelling at a boy. Crystal was ahead of the game. I totally forgot about that because I forgot sh- we turned it on right before we started. And yeah, heat of the moment. I don't know. Sometimes you just got to speak up and say things. Um, but thank you guys for hanging out with us on that stream or whether you just listen to it um usual for the week and all of our other social medias our youtube has been going crazy the past month i keep like messaging crystal about it and i know she checks our emails and she literally responds to every comment um that we get whether it be good or bad mostly bad (laughs) um but it's very much appreciated and we are so grateful um, just very quickly, as a reminder, we do have our Patreon set up if you want to take that support even further. Um, just there are little things that we would really like to add to the studio just to kind of make the quality of the podcast just a little bit better. And maybe we won't get those hate comments as much. Yes, because you know, everybody that starts out has to have, you know, millions of dollars worth of equipment. No, you don't. Okay, um, but you can find our socials and the link to our Patreon in the show notes. Crystal's really awesome, and she adds all the good links that you need in the show notes of every episode. Um, wherever you are listening, you can find them. And well, now I'm going to hand it over to Crystal. I've done enough, you know, rambling almost four minutes so that she can get us started. Okie doke. So I'm going to give you just a little tiny bit of backstory before we dive in. Uh, A friend of mine named Bridget would kind of casually mention that her aunt was missing and was a missing person every so often on uh, social media. And I really had honestly not even met Bridget at this point. It was just one of those like, hey, 
I like know of you and I just happen to follow you on social media and then I would see this and I remember explicitly thinking man that's really sad um I can't imagine what it's like to have a missing family member that you know absolutely nothing about and I was always like interested in the story but never really had the courage to like reach out to this person who I really just did not really know <laughs> so um, over time, obviously, I do know her now, but earlier this summer, her and her family were able to get their hands on some uh, some police reports that would ultimately bring up more questions than it answered. Um, a listener from another podcast that was done about her aunt's life was able to get some case files um, via the Freedom of Information Act. And in between the jumbled handwriting and half blacked out pages, there were new leads that friends and family of uh, Rebecca, which is her aunt, um, are trying to their hardest to figure out. So I would like to make a little side note here that we are trying to transcribe these pages for the family um, as they're really, really hard to read. So if you're really good at deciphering like messy handwriting, please reach out. We would appreciate the help. Also, these case notes are like sections mm -hmm. of the actual case file. They're not the full things. You can tell that there's missing pages. So if you know anybody in the Baton Rouge Police Department, if you are part of the Baton Rouge Police Department and you can figure out how to get um, your hands on the full case file, it, we're not going to tell you no. <laughs> it is, it's, I'm not trying to be funny. It is legitimately the worst handwriting I've ever seen in my life. Ever. And, and I thought my like my own personal husband's handwriting was the word. Like I No, this is really bad. Chicken scratch, this is really bad. It felt very it feels very rushed. Yes. Like they were just quickly trying to like, you know, cover themselves and get something down, you know, pen to paper. Yes, like just trying to make a report and move on with their life. So if you can help us out, we would really appreciate it. And I know that the family would appreciate it as well. So to kind of rewind, fast forward, whatever you want to say, um, when Bridget posted this new information on Instagram, um, I was like, wow. And I decided to reach out um, and see how I could help make sure that her family's and her aunt's story was told. Um, I know if you listen to the podcast before that that's a huge thing that Bethany and I try to do is we want mm -hmm. to make sure that someone's story is told mainly. Mm -hmm. So I eventually asked if she and her family would be willing to answer a couple questions and you know that we could help like our version of help would be to put the word out there. So one Sunday, Bridget's mom, Rebecca's sister, Joyce, sat down with Bethany and I, Bethany and I at Rhino Coffee. Mm -hmm. And for like three and a half hours, mm -hmm. we just talked about her sister, their lives, everything that happened up until the point she went missing and after she went missing and every single piece of evidence and actually probably not every single piece of evidence there's so much but every single thing that she could think of mm -hmm. and every theory and just so much information so uh, i feel like it was good for her yeah like she's smart we also place we closed this place down we did like, we, they were like ma'am closing in 10 minutes <laughs> we were like oh okay i'm sorry i didn't realize what time it was we were just like so into it and she we were just li like grasping to everything that she was telling us that i didn't even know that it was like already six o'clock yes it was time flew by but in a good way um 
we really learned a lot about both of their childhoods here in Shreveport the circumstances surrounding her disappearance and how they tried to find out answers. And Joyce shared dozens of photographs documenting her life and Becky's life. And what we saw was the life of what I consider one of the most beautiful women I've ever yeah. seen. They, a whole family looked happy. They looked like they had a very close family. And you could tell just by the way that Joyce was talking about Rebecca or Becky that they truly had a close sisterly mm -hmm. bond there are several topics though that we're going to cover um kind of today and in future episodes um but I want to make something 100% clear regardless of some of the choices that Becky made for her life she was a minor during most of this, and she is a minor for probably 90% of mm -hmm. today's, what I have for today. Mm -hmm. And thus, what happened, in my opinion, would be considered grooming and statutory rape. For a lot of people. Okay? Yeah. So, but these are not her fault. And if someone even remotely wanted to try to place blame on her, fight me. <laughs> Just letting that be known. So according to Becky's family, she she went missing December 27th, 1988 from her apartment in Baton Rouge. If you ask the police, however, she was not considered missing until January 20th, 1989. So almost a full month, month later. Insane. I know you're probably getting mad. Just me saying that. And if you've listened to us before, you know how Bethany and I feel about shady police departments. <laughs> like, go listen to episode four, I think it is. And you'll you'll see when the hatred for, for the shady police department for started. For the Shreveport well, police Well, yeah, for department. really for the Shreveport yeah. police department. And this is about the same police department. Yeah. Just in the 80s. Yeah. Nothing, nothing's changed. So let's just say this whole case is going to make you feel so much rage. Rage for the justice system, because I consider the police part of the justice system, in my opinion, because it just, to me, it's makes sense, too. system but, in general. Be prepared to feel rage. So, just days before she went missing, she sent her 12-year-old daughter, Jamie, to stay with her mother while she finished some last-minute things and could join them here in Shreveport. Sadly, this would never happen, and when she called her sister Joyce on December 27th, it would be the last day that anyone would hear from her. Now, during the course of these episodes, I want to take you through her life and the events leading up to her going missing, but I also want to explore possible theories and discuss what we can do to help bring this family closure. Now, would I like to say that this case will be solved by us doing this. I mean, I would hope, but I have to know that this is statistically unlikely. The best thing that we can do is just bring awareness. Now, besides Joyce and Becky's daughter, Jamie, there are several other family members actively looking for answers. 
And Joyce has also enlisted the help of Patty Thorrington, who is a woman that was incredibly instrumental in the closing of the Carol Ann Cole case. Which, if you're not familiar with that, Carol Ann Cole was an unsolved murder here in, well, well, yeah, here in Bossier Parish, simply known as Bossier Doe. In 2015, thanks to DNA, she was finally identified. And just a little tidbit, if no one knows, the way that this was solved is basically they put a picture of her on Craigslist and um and like the kind of like missing have you seen me and that's kind of that kind of got the ball rolling until they were able to I, get the dna i personally um i mean i've only lived in this area since 2018 yes no 2019 and i hadn't heard of this case until we sat down with joyce and she kept mentioning it so that's i didn't it's know that. that's pretty cool though huh. Now, this week's episode will focus solely on Rebecca's early life and her family. I felt that it was really important for us to connect with her. And you know how every episode, Bethy and I say that we wish we could give more info about the innocent victims. Mm -hmm. Well, today, like, this is literally our chance to do that. Joyce gave us the opportunity to learn more about Becky than we could have ever hoped for. I truly hope that we do her and her story justice. Mm -hmm. Now, some parts of her story may be hard for you to hear. There will be a short talk about sexual assault, but I will let you know ahead of time if you, you know, choose to skip over that part. Now, Rebecca Gary or Becky, as her family would call her, was born May 27th in 1956. Which is my birthday. Really? Oh, it is your yeah. birthday. I I don't know why I didn't put that together until just now. I didn't, put it, together. Na- I didn't until, put it together either. Yeah, just now looking at Crystal's note. That's really What is weird. weird, though, is because when I wrote this, I was like, May 27th. I was like, that feels like something, but I didn't connect it either. Weirdly enough, I see, like, I see our birthdays a lot when we do research i don't know if that's like an omen a sign that like we're supposed to be talking about these people i'm gonna say it is i've never seen my birthday but i feel like i have i know i've seen mine and zach oh i've seen yours and zach and joe and alex's a lot and i think i've seen tyler's before i think we did see tyler's once before i've never seen no but yeah i i knew her birthday was in may but now just looking at it i was like oh my god that's mine (laughs) that's pretty funny and pretty cool, just actually. Just a little bit before. Yeah, just a little bit before, but pretty cool. Yeah. She and her sister Joyce were 13 months apart, and they were really, really close growing up. Um, I forgot to ask Joyce how many siblings that they had total. I believe it was four. I believe it was I, two older brothers and, and then Becky I'm and then pretty sure it Joyce. Is. I'm pretty sure. Um, They did share a room and clothes and just about everything. Joyce said that she was a little bit taller than Becky, um, but that Becky would still steal her clothes and would drive her crazy by just leaving them laying around the bedroom. So I can't imagine how much fun that it would be to have a sister that was so close in age. (laughs) 
like it kind of would feel like a twin me and crystal don't know we have yucky yeah i have brothers brothers. like i have no idea what it would be like to have a sister (laughs) i would somebody is probably going to comment and say you don't wish you had a sister it was it was so bad it was so horrible but look we had brothers and we're the oldest and so even your mom she had brothers and my mom had brothers yeah so it's like i literally don't know an instance where like somebody had a sister i guess like my closest thing to a sister is my sister-in-law <laughs> i mean zach has a sister but like literally she's the oldest in polar opposites so. and see she's also the oldest so she yeah. gets what it feels like to be the oldest girl with a lot of brothers yeah yeah uh, it's kind of annoying it sounds magical being able to share clothes and have fun times. i know and just have someone you can always talk to yeah oh, i would love that Unfortunately, though, in 1956, not 1956, I'm so sorry. I did my dates wrong. 1980. Yeah? Huh? I did my days wrong, but I don't remember. I think it was 76. No, I did my days wrong, but she was seven years old. So I wrote my days wrong in my notes. But when she was seven years old, Joyce and Becky's dad suddenly passed away. At this young age, this like completely wrecked Becky's entire world. She thought her dad was going to come home from the hospital any day and, you know, told her family that dad's going to come home. Dad's going to come home. When she realized that he was not going to be come home, Joyce remembers Becky telling their mom and just crying to her mom that she needed a dad and that her mom needed to go out and find her one. Now, losing your parent at any age is hard, But when it happens so young, I can only imagine that it's so much harder to lose this person that you love so wholly. Because when you're a child, you think of your parents as like just this elevated figure. And you build them up in your head. And it isn't until you're an adult when you realize that they're a human with flaws just like you. But when you're a child... I. And that was sudden, too. Mm-hmm. Like, in some instances, you have, like, a little time to, to grieve ahead of time. prepare. Yeah, I feel like that's how my mom handled it. But, yeah. like, if it was just, like, sudden I, yeah. and overnight and you're a child, no. I can't imagine. Now, Joyce did recall that Becky was interested in stuff like makeup and boys from an early age. Like, as, like, a preteen. So, around, like, eight or nine is when she really started, like, wanting to experiment with makeup Wearing little training bras. Like polar opposite of That me. was not me <laughs> at all. Ew, boys. Like, I don't think I even, like, ever admitted or told or even liked a boy until I was, like, 14. Oh, I was in middle school. Like, so, I was middle school about to be high school. Yeah, that's probably about when I was. I was, like, until then, I was just, like, mm. absolutely not. Yeah, I got more important things. Yes, I had so much more important things to do. Now, Joyce was not into the same things. She was like us. But yeah. she still followed her sister around at times because, after all, it's your sister. Now, it wasn't long, though, before Becky started sneaking out of their house that was on Belmont to go to parties and meet up with boys. Now, Joyce did remind us that at this time, Becky was only about 12 years old when this started happening. Which, when she was telling us these stories, for some reason, like, I was just automatically assuming she was, like, a teenager. Old. Yeah, I was thinking, like, 16, 17. I was, too. It wasn't until she, like, gave us, like, actual, like, ages and, like, times and dates that we were, like, really? But, like, I guess it's a different time. Yeah, different you time. Know? Different time. No judgment. I just, yeah. I, for some reason, I was thinking 16. Yeah. 
Um, now, sneaking out was something that Joyce only did once, mm-hmm. and she sort of never do it again. Um, after they went to a party one night that got a little bit crazy, led to them hiding behind a car, and she was like, yeah, I'm not doing this again. You can do this by yourself. Smart lady. Uh, now, Joyce knew from the get-go that these boys that her sister were interested in were actually older men. Now, being boy crazy and liking older men is not a bad thing. Mm -mm. But when those older men like you and you are a child, well, that's a problem. Yeah, 12. (laughs) Now, it is here that I'm going to mention that it was kind of around this time that Becky would start to sneak out to meet up with members of the Shreveport Police Department for little midnight rendezvous. So again, it's okay to be boy crazy and like older men, but when they like you and you are a child. And you're supposed to be a distinguished member of our community that's an issue. serving and protecting you. There's an issue. Now, one day, when Becky was about 15, a fancy white limo pulled up to their house. Becky said that it was from, at this point, the future governor of Louisiana, Edwin Edwards. This man, he was a congressman at this point, so I said future governor, but this man would go on to be quoted as saying, quote, the motto from here on out is up with skirts and down with pants, in reference to women being part of his administration. It sounds like every male in office ever. This is also the man who was quoted with saying that uh, he didn't need Viagra, that his blood is what makes Viagra because that's how much he doesn't need it. Oh, good for him. That it just runs in his veins. Good for him. Good for him. Good for him. Even journalist Robert Mann wrote a piece just this year about how he witnessed Edward's sexist sexist behavior firsthand in 1983 he made the flight to shreveport with edwards with a woman that edwards had picked up in baton rouge i should note that this was not becky as he did mention that he saw this woman again in 1990 at another rally and that was after becky went missing Mm -hmm. but um, with this particular woman, she traveled with him for a couple days, and then he didn't see her again until this rally again. So it was very common for him to pick up women and take them with him on the campaign trail. Amazing. Just, just what we While need. he was married. Just what we need. I feel like some people might be a little quick to judge and say, well, where is her mom? But you have to take a step back and really analyze and look at the situation. Her mom was raising several kids. She was overwhelmed, overworked. And honestly, have you ever in your life tried to stop a 15-year-old from doing what they want? Have you? Because oh uh, it's pretty hard. I'm technically raising a 16-year-old right now, and I can tell you... They do what they want. Yeah. You you stopped raising them at like 12. 
And then after that, they're making all the decisions, and you just have to hope and pray you did a good job. <laughs> and I'm not saying that her mom did not do a good job. I mean, I'm she, just, she did a great job, in my opinion. She also lost a husband. She lost a so, husband. So, doing this solo. Yeah. In my opinion, her mom did a fantastic job. And you cannot stop a 15-year-old from doing what they want. Look at Joyce. I mean, look Joyce at, turned out Look at the life she's great. created. She's an amazing woman. We had, like, a fantastic time well, sitting down I mean, remember her. towards the end of our conversation, she even mentioned her brother checks on her mom twice yes. a day. It makes all his meals. Makes all her meals. Yeah. yeah. like She raised a fantastic group of kids. I'm just. Becky I'm, included. I'm glad that Crystal included this because we always have those people that are like, well, where is this? Where is this? Sometimes it's just like, you you can only, like, you can lead them to the water, but you can't make them drink. Yeah. You know? And I just want to clarify that this is no one's fault except for the grown men who took part and the people who are responsible for her disappearance. <clears throat> That's, um, That's it. Probably still work at the Shreveport Police Department today. <laughs> the same ones that I have ranted on and will continue <laughs> to, and I feel justified in my words that I've said. Now... A little background on Edward Edwards. Um, He was a congressman, like I said, when he first met Becky. Um, Joyce mentioned that Becky would tell her stories about meeting up with Edwards in different places when he came into town in Shreveport. And she was never really sure that she was completely telling the truth or not. Like, it was just like a story. Mm -hmm. Now, Edwards was not the only older man that Becky was involved with or claimed to be involved with. Now, you remember how we were talking about the Shreveport police? Well, according to Joyce, it was very common for the officers to drive by at night, flash their lights at the house as like a signal for Becky to come out and meet them. Joyce told us several stories that I can only describe as um, horrible excuses for the police. Um, named I like, several, which I'm not going to name here because I don't feel like, I feel like that Crystal, is our point. I feel like Crystal picked my jaw up off the table a few times. Just like she, just, like Joyce kept just like, like it was like she would remember a story and she would just start and like me and Crystal by the end of the story like what. Well, we were what? like there were very there were several times when I re-listened to our audio recording of the interview that I would rewind and be like hold and you would hear us on there be like hold up what? wait what because she like was like speed running through it it was like a story that she's told so many times because like she's very much advocating for her sister like still to this day thirty years later. And to her, it was just, you know, like, another story, another memory she's told him. And me and Crystal were like, you can't just speed past what you just said. <laughs> you cannot. No, slow down. It but just, It felt like a Lifetime movie. That's what I told Crystal when we left. I was like, some of this does not feel real, even though we 100% believe it. It's truth. But it was like, what did what were we just told? It, it, it was insane. Um... Maybe later on in the podcast, I will drop some names. At this point, I don't think that they're 100% important um, because most of the names just aren't important. Let's just say that. Um, they're, to the best of my knowledge, they everyone's name that I have been given 
um, in regards to the Shreveport Police Department um, or of, are, of course, innocent until proven guilty mm-hmm. and, for the most part, does not seem like there's too big of a connection between anything with anyone specifically named, so really not important right now. Um, among the police, though, Becky would become known as Belmont Becky, which is very degrading to me, number one. When she told me that, I was like, what piece of scum created that nickname? Yeah, when she told us the story. The absolute scum of the earth. Um, Because she lived in a house on Belmont. And I'm sorry I just hit the microphone because I was literally talking with my hands and very angry (laughs) at that whole thing. Oh, man. it was a name, though, that people called Becky for years. Joyce even told us about a job that she started working at um, several years after uh, Becky went missing. And she was working there one day, and this lady just came up to her as a co-worker and said, Hey, aren't you, like, isn't your sister Belmont Becky? Talk about the actual disrespect. I would have been fired. Joyce, Joyce, she just seemed like such a sweet person. And, I mean, we only met her this one day. But, like, you could see the hurt in her eyes telling the story. And it's been 30 years. And I just don't understand it. I... I was so shocked. This is one of the stories I was like, that cannot. Yeah, like, like someone literally not. just came up to you and said, hey, isn't your sister Belmont Becky? Like, your sister's been missing 30 years, and you're still using these disrespectful, like... Names. Why, like, why couldn't you just say, aren't you Becky's sister? Yeah. And Joyce could have been like, yes, I am. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yes, it was very disrespectful. I do want to reiterate, though, that everything that we've told you about that's happened prior to this happened while she was still a minor. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give your little trigger warning right here officially. So if you want to skip ahead a couple minutes, I probably shouldn't be talking about this for longer than two minutes. But if you want to skip ahead a couple minutes, now would be your time. Um, this story is not ours to fully share, but Joyce even told us about the rape of a friend um, committed by the police in the room right next to her one night when they thought that Becky was not coming out. Um, Long story short, Becky was out, but a friend of theirs was staying over. Mm -hmm. And Joyce was in her room. This friend was in the other. And Joyce saw the lights from the police cars outside flash and knew that the police officers would be coming into her house. So at this point, she got up, locked her door, locked her window, and it wasn't soon after that these men came into the house, tried her door and found it locked, and then moved on to the next room. And I know this seems a little off topic, But what I'm really trying to get you to understand is that these men were truly awful. And Joyce even told us that they never even reported this. Mm -hmm. Because she said, 
Who would we report yeah, it to? Those were her exact words. Who, she, who would I report this to? She's like, am I going to call and say, hey, there's been a sexual assault, and they assign the case to the same men who just committed it? Mm-hmm. And, they, you, and they were already picking up Becky, too. Yeah. So. so do you not see the underlying level of corruption and mm-hmm. that there was no way to win this? No way to win this. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, at some point in her teens Joyce couldn't really remember the exact time but Becky ended up being sent for mental health treatment Mm -hmm. and the reasoning behind this was that apparently they saw her attraction to older men as a major mental health problem and they actually committed her for a short time now I know that my opinion might not be a popular one on this topic but I can't help but wonder if this ultimately did more harm than good. Oh, back in the 60s, much more because we've talked. Well, this would probably have been like the 70s, 70, early, early 70s. 70s. Yeah. I mean, because me and Crystal have talked about this a lot. And I think I talked about it on one of my episodes a lot of the time in mental health institutions. If you came in for any type of thing and you are a woman specifically, they automatically thought you had like schizophrenia or yeah. something like that. I mean, but like. I'm, this is not a shocker. Some people like older, older men. men. And that's okay. Yeah. That doesn't mean anything. Actually, strangely enough, this is completely off topic. And I apologize. But Tyler's therapist told us something the other day that I thought was quite um, enlightening. Women who have attraction to older men, not every time, but like, for example, I think... I'm not a, a therapist or have a license to practice or even say anything that comes out of my mouth is fact. Do I think Becky's attraction to older men probably stems from the fact that she lost her dad so young? And I think that's probably then, a big I think part that's probably big for her. But Tyler's therapist actually told us that for a lot of women who have attraction to older men, it's actually mom issues rather than dad issues. I can see it. Because they their mom may have been with like a really crappy person or their mom may have got abandoned or their ma- their mom might have you know just had been in a really crappy situation and so they kind of try to subconsciously live through that mm-hmm. and want to connect with a man that's from their mom's generation to mm-hmm. try to kind of subconsciously heal that i can see that i thought it was very interesting that was just your that. random tidbit of information i today. do personally think though it had a good chunk to do with being so young and out of all the children joyce said that becky and her father had the closest relationship yes so um i mean she said literally like um like if her dad would fall asleep in the recliner that becky would literally crawl up in his lap and they would just sleep out there all night so that's Mm -hmm. pretty close and then for him to just suddenly pass like overnight didn't she tell a story about about um her always like doing his hair like brushing his hair yes Um, just a lot of fun like we learned a lot like i felt like it was very therapeutic for joyce as well because we literally were like just sitting there and we're like whatever you need to say whatever you need to get out whatever you want us to voice on the podcast we have the time Hmm. um now it was around the same time in her teen years her mid late teens 
that Joy said she believes her sister started to kind of slip into the world, like officially into the world of prostitution, and often wondered if she wasn't like groomed for this role by the men that she was surrounded by, um, Edward, Edward, Edwin Edwards included. Oh, 100%. I mean, I completely agree. No brainer. That's my opinion. Joyce doesn't know how Becky and Edwards met, but she did tell us about the actual moment that she had confirmation that her sister knew Edwards and wasn't just lying Mm -hmm. about him. Um, One day, when Becky was about 18, so she's technically an adult right now, um, she came to Joyce and asked her to take her to the Shreveport Convention Center where Edwards was hosting a fundraiser where each plate was like a thousand dollars like incredibly expensive so obviously not something that a 17 and 18 year old could afford Mm -hmm. since Joyce had the car and Becky wanted to go Becky convinced her to dress up and told her that they didn't need to worry about the money because they would let her in because she knew Edwards now, once there, there was um, a receiving line, which I'm sure you know what a receiving line is. If not, Google it. Um, <laughs> Joyce and Becky were walking in this receiving line, and she noticed that the second Edwards looked up and saw Becky, his entire face lit up with a huge smile. And he said, oh, Becky, and called her by name. Joyce recalled how as Becky was introducing Joyce to Edwards, that Edwards took her hand, talking about Joyce, took Joyce's hand and started caressing it and rubbing her hand and saying that she was just as beautiful as Becky mm-hmm. and all kinds of probably creepy, creepy weird, weird not stuff. not to a 17-year-old. Yes, <laughs> like just gross. After this fundraiser, Joyce and Becky made their way back to the Sheridan Hotel on Greenwood Road, which Becky, um, or not Becky, Joyce said was like the hotel in Shreveport at the time. And that's where Edwards was staying. Becky wanted to wait there until Edwards got there. And while they waited, the girls drank with some of Edwards' Edwards bodyguards, who Joyce recalled as all of them knowing Becky and knowing her by name. Um, This is also kind of, I guess it was technically underage drinking for Joyce, but back then the drinking age was 18, so it wasn't underage drinking for Becky. But um, as the girls waited and they were drinking, Joyce kind of got the idea and started to realize just how personally Becky knew Edwards and Mm -hmm. how deep their relationship went. Mm -hmm. After a while, she kind of just got tired and was like, I don't really want to be here anymore. I'm just ready to go home. And she ended up leaving Becky at the hotel to wait for Edwards. And Joyce even said that she just, she never asked, never anything, but she just assumed that when Edwards got there, that Becky was going to go upstairs to his room. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just a natural inferred thing. From this point on, though, it was pretty common knowledge to her that her sister was romantically or sexually involved with Edwards. 
who, like I said, was married at this time. I mean, and all the bo- and as she was telling us, she said like all the bodyguards like knew Becky, and, yeah, like, knew her name. We're joking around yeah. and just having a good time. So that, I mean, that kind of gives you like a little notion that like she spends a lot of time. Yeah. Now, around the age of nineteen, Becky gave birth to a beautiful baby girl named Jamie, and I am purposely not going at least in the, this episode to talk about who the father of Jamie is um Bethany and I will talk about maybe talk about it amongst ourselves but part of me feels like this is not our story to tell it's not but I asked a lot of questions yes. about this like I like we did be asked a lot of questions fully went in but um, yeah but I don't feel comfortable disclosing this information no so well also because for Jamie's sake yes because she I think that's why we don't want to that's why I, don't I don't want, want to, to either because we we talked about this topic a lot with Joyce I know I did like mm-hmm. I just like broke the ice like went halfway through I just you know like straight up asked the question that we're all thinking and we're not talking about and you know Joyce gave me her, her answer and then she kind of like and we us, did talk about it for like almost 30 40 yeah minutes. we did and she told us how Jamie likes to live her life now so yeah it's kind of that that part of the story is not for us to tell and it's and to be completely honest you can make inferences how you want, and they may or may not be true. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not imp- to me, and I from mean, what I've seen, it is absolutely no importance. importance to the story at all. Yeah, absolutely no importance. It still doesn't solve the disappearance. It do- yeah, so. it does nothing. It's it doesn't lead us to a clue. It doesn't lead to anything. It's just a just something that's there. So don't ask. <laughs> Um, her and Jamie did end up moving all over the country for several years, um, from Baton Rouge to Shreveport to Washington, I think, to back to Baton Rouge to Shreveport, back to Baton Rouge. I think they went to Utah at one point. Yes. Like, she did more moving than we have, and we're a military family, so, like, they did some traveling. Yes, they did lots of traveling, and while she was in elementary school, Joyce suggested that Jamie might come and live with her for a little bit. Um, That way, Jamie just had some sort of consistency. And she did this for a bit before Becky decided to move her back to Baton Rouge with her. And I know that Joyce did say that this kind of not necessarily upset her, but it just seemed to be like it made her very sad because she felt like Jamie was settling. She was trying out for stuff. She was making friends. It caused a little bit of tension yes. between not only Joyce and uh, Becky, but also their mom. Yes. And it wasn't like, we can't forgive you for this kind of kind of tension. It was just, you know, that normal family tension. It wasn't like, you're a bad mom. It no. was more like, we know you're a free spirit. We know you like to kind of mm-hmm. bounce around. But can we kind of give Jamie, like, a little normalcy kind yeah. of? Something that she can count on every single day. Yeah. Now, it would be in Baton Rouge that she would go missing. And basically, just to kind of summarize it up again... In early December, Becky called her family and told them that she would be sending her daughter Jamie on a bus back to Shreveport to spend Christmas there. 
and that she would be there soon. On December 27th, Becky called Joyce and let her know that it was not working out in Baton Rouge. She wanted to come home and asked if someone could come get her and Mm -hmm. specifically asked if their friend BJ could come get her. Joyce contacted BJ, arranged a day that he could pick her up, and Joyce, her only way of getting in contact with Becky was to call her boss, and she said, if you call my boss, he'll let me know. Mm -hmm. I believe it was she told us the 29th. Yeah, she gave her a couple of days. It was a couple of days. Yeah, because she figured, like, maybe she had found her own way of traveling or was just really impatient. So she gave her a couple Couple of days. days. She called her boss and said, or Becky's boss, and said, Hey, Becky told me to call you if I need to get in contact um, with her. Um, She's ready to come home. And um, I'm sending BJ to pick her up. And he said, Well, about that. I haven't seen Becky since the 24th, since Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. I have gone by her apartment, and no one has answered. It was at this point, Joyce knew something was wrong, and Becky was missing. Well, because I think Joyce said the thing that really, like, I mean, obviously not talking to her, but she also said the boss had her check. Yes, her 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 last paycheck. And she was like, I know my sister would not, like, pick up her check and cash it. Yeah, she wouldn't just leave it out there. So, that's pretty much where I am going to end today's episode. I know it probably feels like a weird spot because we're really kind of just, like, ramping up into the story. But I promise next episode we'll dive even more into the events leading up to Becky going missing and the aftermath and different theories. But um, I felt like I didn't want, I wanted to spend a lot of time really talking about who Becky was. And I'm mm-hmm. going to continue to do that over, you know, the next couple weeks. But I really want to take this opportunity, though, to thank Joyce and Bridget for talking with us giving us a glimpse into Becky's life and I truly hope that this and future episodes brings more awareness to this case. For our listeners out there though pictures of Becky will be up on social media so please take a look share it with anyone that you think might know anything. I'm telling you if you're grandparents or your parents lived in baton rouge in the area if your grandfather father whatever was on the police department in baton rouge whatever Mm -hmm. show the picture be talking about it share it on social media whatever you need to do to get this out someone knows something and this was something that joyce reiterated to us over and over again Someone knows something. Because people don't just vanish without a trace. Someone knows something. So if you or someone else knows anything, please reach out to the Baton Rouge Police Department. I know we hate police, but you got to reach out to them. You can't solve cases by yourself. You have to go through the legal channels. Or if you're not comfortable, you can reach out to us. And we'll do it for you. Um, But again, want to thank 
Joyce for taking the time to talk with us. It really meant the world for us to be able to listen to Becky's story. Mm -hmm. I know that Bethy and I have not quit talking about it since mm-hmm. then and talking about her life. Re- I mean, I didn't. I mean, I didn't even know about, like, Edwin Edwards because I'm not, like, from this area. Um, and Florida's already crazy enough. So, like, I am I know all about that. And when Crystal's like, hey, we're going to go meet with somebody about someone that has a loved one that's been missing, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then when, like, we sat down with Joyce and, like, I heard the full story i was like crystal this is w- <laughs> this is way bigger than i was thinking and here we are yeah episode one of it so i don't know if this is going to just kind of feel one of our spots like our paranormal conspiracy theory spots every month um it might it might fill two spots a month i'm not really 100 percent sure I honestly can tell you guys it's probably going to be something that when I can write it, I will just get it out. Because there's Um, so much information. Yes, it's a lot of information. I'm also going through this information as well. Like I said, Joyce has several people working on this on the back end for her and with her as well. So there's a lot of people, a lot of hands in this. So we want to kind of be very cognizant of that as well too. Um, But in the meantime, I truly thank you guys for listening to today's episode. Stay tuned. I promise this story just keeps getting crazier and crazier and i want you to hear every step and everything about the life of becky gary but that is all for today i hope you guys have a fantastic week i hope you are just kind to everyone that you meet and i hope you do mm-hmm. something nice yes we for need someone. it right now go out of your way to be nice i promise you just it, as much yeah. as it'll make you feel good it'll make the person that you're kind to feel even better So have a good one and good night, guys. Bye.